0: Chapter Eight of In the Arctic Seas. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. In the Arctic Seas by Captain F. L. McClintock. Chapter Eight. June 8th. Yesterday morning we passed close outside bucken Island. It is small but lofty. Its north side is almost precipitous yet notwithstanding this strong indication of deep water a reef of rocks lies about a mile off it i happened to be aloft with the lookout man at half past eight o'clock as we were steaming through a narrow lead in the ice when i saw a rock close ahead it was capped with ice therefore was hardly distinguishable from the floating masses around the engines were stopped and reversed but there was neither time nor room to avoid the reef which now extended on each side of us and upon which the ship's bow stuck fast whilst her stern remained in thirty-six feet water the tide had just commenced to fall and all our efforts to haul off from the rocks were ineffectual the floes lay within thirty yards of us upon each side i feared their drifting down upon the ship and turning her over but fortunately it was perfectly calm and as the tide fell points of the reef held them fast the ship continued to fall over to starboard at dead low water her inclination was thirty five degrees the water covered the starboard gunwale from the mainmast aft and reached almost up to the after hatchway at this time the slightest shake must have caused her to fall over upon her side when she would have instantly filled and sunk the dogs after repeated ineffectual attempts to lie upon the deck quietly coiled themselves up upon such parts of the lee gunwale as remained above water and went to sleep to me the moment seemed lengthened as beyond anything i could have imagined but at length the water began to rise and the ship to resume her upright position boats anchors hawsers etc were got on board again with the utmost alacrity and the ship floated off unhurt after having been eleven hours upon the reef we had grounded during the day-tide and were floated off by the night-tide which upon this coast occasions a much greater rise and fall so far we were favoured but the poor little fox had a very narrow escape as for ourselves there was not the slightest cause for apprehension three steam whalers being within signal distance Today we are steaming along after the three vessels which passed us last evening and disappeared round Cape Shackleton during the night. The contrast between our prospects yesterday and today fills one with delight. To be afloat and advancing unobstructively once more is indeed charming. Eleventh. On the afternoon of the eighth, we join the steamers Tay, Captain Dukers; Chase, Captain Graville Sr., and Diana, Graville Jr. After repeated ice detentions, we have reached Duck Island. Captain Dukas says there is every prospect of an early north passage. We have had several conversations about the Ponds Bay natives and their reports of ships, wrecks and Europeans. There appears to be not only great difficulty, but also uncertainty in arriving at their meaning. To form an idea of the time elapsed since an event, or the distance to the spot where it occurred, is a still harder task. I look forward to our visit at Ponds Bay with greatly increased interest. In August 1855, when captain dukers was crossing through the middle ice in latitude seventy degrees he found part of a steamer's topmast embedded in heavy ice he also saw the moulded form of a ship's side and thinks the latter must have sunk the portion of the topmast visible was sawed off and taken to england it is most probable that the vessel was either h m s intrepid or pioneer as two months later and two hundred and fifty miles further south the resolute was picked up About two or three years ago, Captain Dukers lost his ship, Princess Charlotte, in Melville Bay. It was a beautiful morning, they had almost reached the north water, and were anticipating a very successful voyage. The steward had just reported breakfast ready, when Captain Dukers, seeing the floes closing together ahead of the ship, remained on deck to see her pass safely between them. But they closed too quickly. The vessel was almost through, when the points of ice caught her sides abreast of the mizzenmast, and, passing through, held up the wreck for a few minutes barely long enough for the crew to escape and save their boats poor ducas thus suddenly lost his breakfast and his ship within ten minutes her royal yards disappeared beneath the surface how closely danger besets the arctic cruiser yet how insidiously everything looks so bright so calm so still that it requires positive experience to convince one that ice only a very few inches perhaps only three or four inches above water perfectly level and moving extremely slow could possibly endanger a strong vessel The Princess Charlotte was a very fine, strong ship, and her captain one of the most experienced Arctic seamen. He now commands the finest whaler in the fleet. Fourteenth, We have only advanced a few miles to the northward. The steamer Inuit has joined our small steam squadron. Captain Souter left Scotland only a month ago. He has very kindly and promptly sent us a present of newspapers and potatoes. Captain Dukes has also been good enough to supply us with some potatoes and porter, perhaps the most serviceable present he could have made us after our long subsistence upon salt and preserved meats. 10. Once more alone in Melville Bay. The Inuit and Chase steamed much too fast for us, and the last of the four vessels, the Tay, parted from us in a thick fog yesterday. We have come close along the edge of the fixed ice, passing about six miles outside of the Sabine Islands, and are advancing as opportunities offer. This morning the man who was stationed to watch a nip about a quarter of a mile ahead of the ship came running back pursued by three bears, a mother with her half-grown cubs. I suppose they followed him chiefly because he ran from them and at all events they were very close up before he reached the ship. Another bear was seen about the same time but none of them came within shot. Rotchies or little orcs are very abundant. Seals are occasionally shot. I ate some boiled seal today and found it good. This is the first time I have eaten positive blubber. All scruples respecting it henceforth vanish. 25th. The land ice broke away inshore of the Fox on the 19th or the 20th, and we found ourselves drifting southward amongst extensive fields of ice. Sad experience has already shown us how absolutely powerless our small craft is under such circumstances. But after many attempts, we regained the edge of the fast ice this morning, and steamed merrily along it towards Bushnan Island, when within a few miles a nip brought us to a standstill here five or six icebergs lie encompassed by land ice and apparently aground one of them juts out and has caught the point of an immense field of ice there is some slight movement in the latter but not enough to let us pass through twelve or eighteen miles to the south there is a cluster of bergs in all probability aground upon our seventy fathom bank of last september the ice field appears to rest against them as both to the east and west there is much clear water exactly at this spot captain penny was similarly detained by a nip in august eighteen fifty although progress is denied to us at present yet it is an unspeakable relief to have got out of the drifting ice i have passed many anxious days in melville bay but hardly any of them weighed so heavily upon me as yesterday there was the broad clear land water within a third of a mile of me clear weather and a fair breeze blowing the intervening nip worked sufficiently with wind and tide to keep one in suspense it nearly opened at high water but closed again with the ebb tide i thought of the week already spent in struggling amongst drifting floes and was haunted by visions of everything horrible gales ice-crushing etc. nor was it consoling to reflect that all the sailing ships as well as the steamers might have actually slipped past us in fact i must acknowledge that anxiety and weariness had worked me up into a state of burning impatience and of bitter chagrin at been so repeatedly baffled in all my efforts by the varying yet continual perplexities of our position the only difference in favour of our prospects over those of the past year consisted in our having arrived here two months earlier but the importance of this difference is incalculable the opportunities afforded by the delays to which we have been subjected were turned however to some account nearly one thousand roaches were shot they are excellent eating their average weight is four ounces and a half but when prepared for the table they probably do not yield more than three ounces each a young bear imprudently swam up to the ship and was shot his skin fell to the sportsmen and carcass to the dogs. Several others have been seen. We watched one fellow surprise a seal upon the ice and carry it about in his mouth as a cat does a mouse. Twenty seventh, Lying fast to the ice off the crimson cliffs of Sir John Ross. Yesterday we succeeded in passing through the Nip and by evening reached Cape York. Seeing natives running out upon the land ice, the ship was made fast for an hour in order to communicate with them. A party of eight men came on board they immediately recognized Peterson, for they lived at Etar in Smith Sound when he was there with the American Expedition. They asked for Dr. Kane, and told us Hans was married and living in Whale Sound. They all said he was most anxious to return to Greenland, but had neither sledge dogs nor kayak. Hunger had compelled him to eat the sealskin which covered the framework of the latter. Peterson gave them messages for Hans from his Greenland friends, and advice that he should fix his residence here, where he might see the whalers and perhaps be taken back to Greenland the natives did not seem badly off for anything except dogs some distemper having carried off most of these indispensable animals i was therefore unable to procure any from them these people spent the winter here they seem healthy well-clad and happy little fellows one of them is brother-in-law to erasmus york who voluntarily came to england in the assistance in eighteen fifty one this man is an angekok or magician he has a still flatter face than the rest of his countrymen but appears more thoughtful and intelligent peterson pointed out to me a stout old fellow with a tolerable sprinkling of beard and moustache this worthy perpetrated the only murder which has taken place for several years in the tribe he disliked his victim and stood in need of his dogs therefore he killed the owner and appropriated his property such motives and passions usually govern the unsophisticated children of nature yet as savages the eskimo may be considered exceedingly harmless of late years these arctic highlanders have become alarmed by the rapid diminution of their numbers through famine and disease and have been less violent towards each other in their feuds and quarrels the appearance of these men as they danced and rolled about in frantic delight at our approach was wild and strange and their costume uniform and picturesque their long coarse black hair hung loosely over the sealskin frock which in its turn overlapped their loose shaggy bearskin breeches and these again came down over the tops of their sealskin boots Most of them carried a spear formed out of the horn of a narwhal. Having distributed presents of knives and needles, and explained to them that we did so because they had behaved well to the white people, as we learned from Dr. Kane's narrative of their treatment of him and his crew, we pursued our voyage, not doubting but that we should soon reach the north water, an extensive sea through which we could sail uninterruptedly to Ponds Bay. During the night we advanced through loose ice, but fog and a rising southeast gale delayed us, and to-day the pack has pressed in against the land so that our wings are most unexpectedly clipped a walrus was shot through the head by a mini bullet none other will penetrate such a massive skull unfortunately for my collection of specimens and for the dogs the animals sank second july for five days we have been almost beset amongst loose ice and grounded bergs the winds were generally from the southeast and accompanied by fog to avoid being squeezed we had to constantly shift our position Once we were caught and rather severely nipped, the ship was heeled over about 10 degrees and lifted a couple of feet. The ice was three feet thick but broke readily under her weight. Unfortunately, there was not time to unship the rudder, so it suffered very severely. Upon a previous occasion, the screw shaft was bent and a portion of the screw broken off. Landed to obtain a good view of the sea in the offing. From the hills we could see nothing but pack to seaward. There was no land ice. We stepped out of the boat upon a narrow ice foot which fringed the coast immediately above it we trod over a velvet sward of soft bright green moss the turf beneath was of considerable depth here and there under this noble range of cliffs which are composed of primary rock there exists much vegetation for so high a latitude from the fact of thick layers of turf descending quite down to the sea it is evident that the land has been gradually sinking steep slopes of rocky debris which screen the bases of the most precipitous cliffs form secure nurseries for the little These localities were literally alive with them. They popped in and out of every crevice, or sat in groups of dozens upon every large rock. I have nowhere seen such countless myriads of birds. The rochi, or little orc, lays its single egg upon the bare rock, far within a crevice beyond the reach of fox, owl, or burgomaster gull. We shot a couple of hundred during our short stay on shore, and by removing the stones, gathered several dozen of their eggs the huge predatory gulls long ago named burgomasters by dutch seamen because they lord it over their neighbours and appropriate everything good to themselves have established themselves in the cliffs where their nests are generally inaccessible we were a month too late for their eggs the young birds were as large as spring chickens of course we obtained specimens of the red snow but had to seek rather diligently for it its colour was a dirty red very like the stain of port wine very few patches of it were found last night a westerly wind blew freshly and dispersed the ice outside of us so much so that this evening we have got out into almost clear water farewell greenland hurrah for the west fifth after getting free from the ice off the crimson cliffs we soon lost sight of the last fragment and steered for pond's bay and now we all set to work in zealous haste to write our last letters for england by the whalers which we hoped soon to meet there after running sixty miles the ice reappeared and we sailed through a vast deal of it but it became more closely packed and a thick fog detained us for a day when the weather became clear the main pack was seen to the west south and south in the hope of rounding its northern extreme we ran along it to the north-west to-day it has led us to the north and north so that this evening woulston hume sound is in sight to the north the pack appears impenetrable and there is a strong ice-blink over it all the ice we have lately sailed through is loose and much decayed it seems but recently to have broken away from the land is not water washed neither has it been exposed to a swell the fractured edges remaining sharp Sixth, midnight last evening i persevered to the north until every hope of progress in that direction vanished to the west the pack appeared tolerably loose the wind was fresh at east-south-east so i determined once more to push into it and endeavour to battle our way through I hoped it would prove to be merely a belt of thirty or forty miles in width. We found the ice to lie for the most part in streams at right angles to the wind, and therefore much more open than it had appeared. There was seldom any difficulty in winding through it from one water space to another. The wind greatly increased, bringing much rain, but fortunately no fog. The dread of this hung over me like a nightmare. Our progress depended on the vigilance of the lookout kept in the crow's nest. By noon we had made good sixty miles throughout the day the wind has gradually moderated the rain gave place to snow which in its turn was succeeded by mist the evening was fine eventually and clear but we still find the ice is all around just before midnight the termination of our lead was discovered whilst the ice through which we had passed was closing together and a dense fog came rolling down under these circumstances the ship was made fast as near to the nip as safety permitted to await some favourable change Tenth, all the seventh we remained in our small basin there being no outlet from it and but little water anywhere visible to pass away the dull hours and get rid of unwelcome reflections upon the similarity of our present position and that in august last i commenced an attack upon all the feathered denizens of the pack they seemed so provokingly contented with it but they soon became wary and deserted our vicinity so i shot only a dozen fulmar petrels three ivory gulls two looms and a lestus parasiticus some of them were useful as specimens, and such as were not destined for our table were given to the dogs. Although Coborg Island was 45 miles distant from us, its lofty rounded outlines were very distinct and much covered with snow. On the 8th we squeezed through Nips for 4 or 5 miles, and on the ninth, reaching a large space of water, steamed towards Koborg Island until again stopped by the pack at an early hour this morning, when within 5 or 6 leagues of it this evening we are endeavouring to steam in towards the westland and fancy we can trace with the crow's nest telescope a practicable route through the intervening ice mazes to a faint streak of water along the shore this sort of navigation is not only anxious but wearying to me it seems as if several months instead of only eight days had elapsed since we left cape york we are constantly wondering what our whaling friends are about and where they are The faint streak of water seen on the night of the 10th proved to be an extensive sheet to leeward of cobourg island we reached it next morning jones sound appeared open and a slight swell reached us from it but all along the shore there was close pack although but little water was visible to the southward we persevered in that direction and as the ice was rapidly moving offshore under the combined influence of wind and tide we were only occasionally detained 242 years ago to a day i believe William Baffin sailed without hindrance along this coast, and discovered Lancaster Sound. What a very different season he must have experienced. Passing near Cape Horsburgh, we approached De Ross Inlet at midnight, the air being very calm and still, the shouting of some natives was heard, although we could scarcely distinguish them upon the land ice. The ship was made fast, and the shouting party, consisting of three men, three women, and two children, eagerly came on board. Only four individuals remained on shore the old chief Carleck is remarkable amongst eskimo for having a bald head he inquired by name for his friend captain inglefield these three families have spent the last two years upon this coast between cape horsburgh and croker bay their knowledge does not extend further in either direction they are natives of more southern lands and cross the ice in lancaster sound with dog sledges since the visit of the phoenix in fifty four they have seen no ships nor have any wrecks drifted upon their shores they seem very fat and healthy but complained that all the reindeer had gone away and asked if we could tell them where they went to our presence of wood knives and needles were eagerly received they assured us that Lancaster sound was still frozen over and that all the sea was covered with pack after half an hour's delay we steamed onward and on reaching a larger space of water our hopes somewhat depressed by the native intelligence began to revive but we soon found that our clear water terminated near cape Warrender lancaster sound although not frozen over was crammed full of floes and icebergs the wind increased to a strong gale from the east and pressed in more ice at length the ship was with difficulty made fast to a strip of land ice a few miles westward of point osborne gradually the gale subsided but not until the pack was close in against the land the tides kept sweeping it to and fro to our great discomfort the land is composed of gneiss and the gravelly shore is low a few ducks only have been shot and traces of reindeer and hares seen our Melville Bay friends the rochies are very rare visitors upon this side of Baffin's Bay part of a ship's timber has been found upon the beach it measures seven inches by eight inches is of American oak and although sound has long been exposed to the weather End of chapter eight